And welcome to Cleveland of the Geek, Yankee Killer Edition. Yeah, we have a rule. That's John Bonus of Twins Daily. I'm Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. We have a rule that anytime the Twins score nine runs in the first inning at Yankee Stadium, we do a podcast the next morning. That's exactly that's right. That's been a rule yep. for 10 years. Yep. yep. And finally, we get to enact it. <laughs> that's in the bylaws. Yeah. So that's that was the first rule we came up with. I said, John, have you ever heard of a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do one? Maybe. Here's the one Did rule. Did you see I how have. many different, uh, different treats we got about saying it's an emergency? Like yeah. they, they, want, they want your it's an emergency we podcast. We had this one scheduled already. <laughs> this one scheduled as the free one. So. I don't want to pull back the curtain too much on our... <laughs> so uh, if you are not a uh, subscriber to our Patreon and you love uh, listening to uh, t- t- people talk about the Twins after big wins or big games or something like that, I would suggest you maybe uh, subscribe to the Patreon. You're going to get a taste of it today because we're going to talk a lot about that. I can already tell uh, this is one of those John runs out of breath with every. <laughs> Sentence episodes where he's all excited. I got, I got a, my I got my caffeine in my head. Yeah, you, but you gave me the one who usually needs the caffeine. You gave me a caffeine free. Oh, is root and is you, root beer caffeine free? Well, the weird one you guys buy. You guys buy all kinds of weird. <laughs> I think we've. T- I come to. We record at John's house ninety something percent of the time now. Right. And we're in a little conference room here in the not even little nice little conference room here in the in the lobby of his building. And my only real rule for John is I'll drive to you and, you know, you just set up the mics, but you got to bring me something to drink. <laughs> yeah, like, and it could be water. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't need it for the uh, nutrients. I need it for, like, the lubrication. That sounds gross, <laughs> I realize. Sorry. But he brings me, like, increasingly strange things. Like, he'll bring me, like, a orange soda with no caffeine and sugar or a A&W, a tiny A&W root beer can those little cans <laughs> with no caffeine and i like you to feel like a big guy i think you guys are like yeah i feel like shaquille o'neal with my hand anyway um lots to talk about not only pretty good white Sox series too mm-hmm. uh followed by we're recording this on i don't think we've now we did i was gonna say we do one after the first white Sox game i think Mm, no, the last free one we did right, was Monday right. morning. Yeah, but it was before the we first exist one beyond this. I was going to say free we podcast, since, but we did have yeah, we did have one uh, one loss. Since we should also podcasts. say we're getting we're going to talk a lot about the Yankees game and the White Sox series. But before that, I just wanted to say we're now you know we did the the beginning the opening week was kind of not normal, obviously in terms of scheduling and all that. And then we did the two KFAN live shows right. that we turned into podcasts. So we were <laughs> yeah. kind of thrown off of our normal. But we're back in a podcasting group. Into the cadence. Yeah. Whatever that means. We're back in the pocket. We're standing in the pocket here. <laughs> which means the show you're listening to right now, which we call the free show. Right. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We need a better name for it, but it's the free show. Whatever. <laughs> we call one the free show, the other one the Patreon show. Yeah. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory. I, guess, I, yeah. I mean, why? You say you it, me. Okay. Uh, that'll be this time every week, going into the weekend, kind of. Generally, yeah. And then the we will come back almost every Monday, if not before then, if something happens. But almost every Monday morning with a recap for the Patreon subscribers, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon.com. Slash Gleeman. The Patreon supporters will get an episode Monday morning to recap the weekend, deep dives and stuff like that. And then we'll do a either usually Wednesday or Thursday for the Patreon folks, a mailbag episode and or 
any news that happens, any interesting games that break down, or guests. That midweek one kind of fluctuates a little bit. But so yeah, if you're uh, if you're looking at the team with the second best record in baseball at the time of this recording, (laughs) it it does feel a little weird. You should sign up for the Patreon because there's going to be more. But it does feel a little weird. Like I said, they took two two out of three from the White Sox. You're eight and four. They go to Yankee Stadium, which is a house of horrors. Always. They score nine first inning runs. They, they incredible. Right. They go on to win. Was eleven to two was the final, I think. Uh, and we're recording now early Friday morning. They still have three games to play as we speak at Yankee Stadium. Right. It does feel to me almost like uh, <laughs> like I'm, I want to be like very careful with what we say because <laughs> I almost feel like the baseball nope. gods will be nope. like Bring to, it get, to get too excited when. Half of the people listening to this will not even listen to it until they've played multiple more games of this Yankee series. And so it's like, what are they talking? They're excited. They lost 22 to three in game two. And then it's like, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But there's still plenty to talk about. Obviously, a lot of roster moves, uh, some uh, shuffling of the rotation that we're going to talk about. I saw a funny tweet from a, uh, I don't remember, but it was like a Yankees fan. I don't know if the Yankees blogosphere might be a blogger or something like that. And he said, man, I don't like this Twins rebrand. <laughs> as they were scoring nine <laughs> runs in the first. Hey, as if go. to say, like, I liked beating the crap out of them. It's not fun when they. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so let's see. A couple things. So first of all, you guys can see why uh, Eddie Julian was the talk of spring training. Yeah. Why we devoted like nine podcasts <laughs> to talking about Ed Julian during spring training. Uh, he comes up, debuted at Target Field. Uh, a couple games ago, right. batting the eighth, moved into the leadoff spot last night at Yankee Stadium, and he had, I think he said, 20 or 25 uh, friends and family there from Quebec City and the uh, surrounding areas, which is closer to New York than it is Minnesota. His his mom and dad and I think a couple of his coaches made it to Target Field for his actual major oh, league really? debut. Oh, really? Okay. I did not hear that. Okay. Uh, and he told us his parents can't speak a lick of English. <laughs> and I mean, we've talked about this. He couldn't right. speak any English. When he went to Auburn. four years ago or five years ago, he, he showed up at Auburn University in Alabama uh, as an 18-year-old or whatever, and he couldn't speak any English. And what a place to learn English <laughs> on the baseball team at Auburn University <laughs> in funny, Alabama. Yeah, that's right. uh, and I give him a lot of credit because I've now interviewed him like way too often probably by his uh, standards right. uh, since, since spring training. Talked to him a couple times during spring training. Talked to him a couple times now. Tremendous interview. Like <laughs> – I think he's a little sick of talking about himself. He's like that. Like he's he doesn't quite get the the hoopla. But he de- yeah. Not he, only he would definitely you, gets annoyed by that, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe just right. from me. Uh, but not that only might be too. <laughs> not only is he a really good talker, you would have no sense whatsoever that English was not his first language. And he's dropping right. vocabulary words that I would never even drop. I'm an idiot, but still. So yeah, I mean, he's a very interesting guy. And my hope is obviously that he he becomes a. Significant part of this lineup long term, which I think, you know, we're already maybe seeing that take know, place. We'll see. Start. We're going to talk about that. But I love guys who will talk you through their thought process, their adjustments, their their plate approach, that sort of thing. Because there are some hitters right. who you're like, oh, you've been hitting for more power lately. What's going on? Ah, swinging hard. I don't know. Things are going well. It's like, okay, well, it's fine too. And there are some hitters, like Larnick is like this. He'll be like, oh, well, you know, I put uh, my front toe an inch forward last week and then I twist my left knee. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, let's the, talk about this. The Jeffers thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so Julian, I think, is is along those lines, which I uh, I enjoy that because I like, I like players who are willing to, to nerd out 
I don't know. When he's talked to me, I you know maybe he's gotten into more detail on some of that stuff. To me, when I talk to him about talk to him about his hitting, it's always mental approach stuff. It's more like now I'm going to be a more aggressive early in the thing. Like he sure. seemed to have sort of an, just such a good inherent feel yes. for the zone that that he doesn't think about. Right. He doesn't think about that. He doesn't need to think about well, that. That's anything, just part of the that's just part of the background now. And he has to he has to consciously think about things like I want to be real aggressive on these right. first couple of pitches. I want to look for something that I can really hit. The bi- yeah, the biggest change for him and I talked to him last spring when he right. had had a really good year at single A and was kind of on the burst onto the prospect scene a little bit but was still, you know, who knows? This guy was an 18th round pick. He's right. a French Canadian right. guy. Right. And, but he had put up 100 walks and 15 homers and he, you know, 440 on base in the low minors. And I remember talking to him last spring and he wasn't even a, a roster invite. He wasn't even in Major League Camp last spring right. uh, or on the 40 man roster. And he said what you just said, which is, I know I can draw walks. I know I can grind out at bats. I know I have a great eye at the plate. I've worked all my life. Like he really. He, he even says, like, during batting practice, he will take pitches that aren't close to sort of train his eye. And he said what you just said, which is the next step for me is if they want to throw me strikes, especially on fastballs, early in counts, I have to be prepared to take damage swings on it, to right. take big swings. And we've seen that now in the years since then. He had a, a huge year at double A, hit 320 homers. Four something on base percentage, and then he had a, a great camp with the Twins. He exited midway through to go play in the WBC for Canada, and had a monster half dozen games for Canada with right. a couple of homers and a bunch of walks. Got back to camp, goes to AAA, hit two ninety with a four something on base percentage in a you know a week or so at AAA, and now he's getting an opportunity well ahead of schedule certainly. Um, but as we talked about on the Patreon last time, you know. It's the same thing with That's Miranda. The way that works. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing yeah. with Walner. It's the same thing with Julian. Very rarely, especially for a hitting prospect, is this thing mapped out to the extent that we like to kind of in our heads map this thing out. Most often it's, well, this guy's ready or close to ready. We'll see what dominoes fall here that opens the door for him. And and that's what happened, which is you needed Polanco to be injured at second base, yeah. but then you needed Kepler and Gallo to get hurt so that they needed outfield help, which meant Nick Gordon was no longer the biggest pressing need for him was no longer second base. It was outfield depth, in which case you bring up Julian. He starts at second base. He adds a left-handed bat to the leadoff spot, which it fills a bunch of different blanks because we talked a lot about how the leadoff spot for them has been the the you know trickiest place to to fill and kind of feel good. I'm not saying he's going to be here for the next 10 years in the leadoff spot now. It's possible he goes back down depending on who's healthy. But I don't know. I mean, even this spring, the way Baldelli especially talked about Julian offensively. There's some questions about him defensively. (laughs) I was going to say, he talked about him in two different variables. Yeah, although last time... Uh, two days ago, when Julian got called up, he did Baldelli did you know praise him quite a bit about the work he put in in camp at second base and yeah. improved and he you know made a couple nice plays all that. But he's just in love with the bat and he talks about him in a way. I mean, they've had some good hitters come up during Baldelli's well, they need, they Kirilov need. and Miranda, but he talks about Julian and basically says there just aren't young hitters who have this disciplined approach with twenty homer power. And just the quality of at-bats, and even I saw a quote after last night. I wasn't there, obviously, in New York, but Baldelli said, like, we threw him in there, Yankee Stadium, leading off, best at-bats on the team in his, in that game. Like, right, right. you know, started it off with a hit, 
came back in the same inning and hit an opposite field homer. Right. And we're off to the races with Ed Julian uh, in the leadoff spot, hopefully. And by the way, you add him to that leadoff spot. Now we'll see. He could slump, whatever. But it really kind of yeah, it does set things up. The I, rest I, of it fills I, I, in I, I, a lot I, I, nicer I, I, after him. When we talk, when we get to, to the segment where we talk more about that game, I want to yeah. I want to start with the lineup because okay. that's an interesting piece of it. Uh, first of all, just one other couple of things about Julian. You mentioned 18th round draft pick. We should be a little careful. We should frame that though for our listeners as to what that means. So in he's an 18th round draft pick. He got a he got first or second round. Signing yeah, or second or third round signing most. He, he got, got eight, thir- three times what the like slot would have been, or four times what the slot would have I, been, or something. Yeah, like I think. It was, I mean, I don't know exactly how low that slot is, but I think, as, he, as I recall, he got quite a bit more money well, the, than this. The they slot hit, for 18th, there is no slot, but it's a hundred, hundred twenty grand or something capped normally for whatever. But yes, he was he, to he, say he, he was an 18th round pick before Seth those uh, emails us angrily about this. But. <laughs> To say he well, was Seth will also tell you why he fell, and I can't remember why he fell. Like there was some, there was some concern about him as well that was going in. I can't remember if it was an injury, something or what. But uh, anyway, because of the way Major League Baseball draft works, you get a, this pool of money, and if you don't spend that pool early on, right. what it allows you to do is sort of fish in the late rounds, yeah, where you can, you, you, you can dr- lure a person who is demanding, you know, like you said, third round money, right. But doesn't get picked in the third round because there's some, some uncertainty about whether they'll sign or right. an injury situation or whatever. And therefore, they can re-enter the draft the following right. year. They right. They have leverage. Right. So a lot of times, they'll just say, well, don't draft me if you're not going to get me by the end of the third round. I Correct. want third round money. You can't sign me. Don't do it. Right. But they had saved enough money early on that when they got – they were able to grab him in the – I mean, at that point, it doesn't matter whether you grab him in the, the sixth right. or the 18th. Anything after the 10th round, <laughs> right, I think, right. is the same right. rules, basically, right. for signing bonuses. And so you know, he was a more highly regarded yes. draft pick than than the 18th round is what and I yet, guess I'm kind of saying, right? Uh, you know, there were 400 and something picks made oh, sure, before he course. was taken. Right. Yes, so, exactly yes. right. But you're, you're 100% right, and that's why anytime the draft comes up, I remember talking about this – about Royce Lewis at the time, which is – it's not when you hear, oh, the Twins took, well, let's just use the 2017 draft. The Twins took Royce Lewis number one, and he signed for, I don't know what it was, a million dollars under the recommended slot. Right. And everyone sees that and goes, oh, the cheap pull ads, blah, blah, blah. Right. No. Well, everyone's, everyone. Yeah, they're going to spend that million dollars. You spend 100% or <laughs> right. slightly more than your allotted um, signing bonus pool. But to your point, it doesn't have to go. You know, A, B, C, D. Right. You can mix it up. If you save a million dollars on Royce Lewis, which they did, you can then use it on your third round pick right. who maybe had first round talent and told people, don't draft me unless you're going to give me first round money. That's how they ended up getting um, Blaine Enloe. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, he's been injured and everything. But well, that's, by the way, that's. He's had, the, had a pretty good start at double A, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I think it was minor league pitcher of the saying, week or something. Giving like them that, an extra yeah. million dollars yeah, no. in 2017 it, it, hasn't really paid it, off. It's similar to, I mean, you can't trade major league baseball draft picks the way you can, can can NFL draft picks, but it ends up being sort of the same effect as if you right. said, okay, instead instead of having the number three overall pick, we're going to take the number five overall pick, but then we get another pick yes. at number. It's like you know, trading down fourth round pick for additional like that. picks. That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, the, Astros did that with Carlos Correa yes, and they ended did. up with Lance McCullers as yes. their second round pick. Yes, right. And they had extra money to sign him. So just on Julian in general, um, you know, I think the way it's – he technically came up to replace uh, Gallo who went on the IL, which we can talk about in a minute. 
Kepler's also on the IL. It sounds like Kepler could be back during this Yankee series, either tomorrow or Sunday. I think. Well, originally the tomorrow. plan was, yeah, that he would be eligible tomorrow, right? Yeah. Uh, when that happens, my assumption is Walner will go down because Walner hasn't even started the last <laughs> two games. Yeah, Julian has essentially replaced Walner. <laughs> well, yeah, since Julian sort of Walner's been on the bench. Except they don't play the same position. No, I know. But, I mean, Walner wasn't going to play second base. In terms of the spots in the lineup, because, I mean, the, we talked a little bit about this Wednesday morning. We were kind of wondering, you know, Julian, if he plays second base, it's not ideal. You'd almost prefer he plays first base or DH in this particular – except you've got, you've got a full-time DH. You've got to start moving people around. Like, either you're moving Nick Gordon to center field and benching Taylor. Well, you don't want to bench Taylor right now. He's on fire. And so, yeah, the odd person out both on – uh, Wednesday afternoon and on Thursday night has been Walner, right? Right. Uh, which is fine. He doesn't have a hit yet since coming up. He's got on base <laughs> three times, but no hit. Right. He came in uh, to the blowout yesterday just to get a few innings or whatever. Yeah. But by moving Gordon from being a primary second baseman to being an outfielder, that also pushes right. Walner right. Uh, out of the mix a little bit, like you said. But so my assumption is Kepler comes back sometime over the next 72 hours, let's say, Walner will go down. And then, you know, I do think it sounds like Gallo is going to come back. He certainly, when we talked to him two days ago, said, I don't know that he felt he needed the injured list stint to begin with, but he said it'll be a minimum stay, obviously. But then the question, that is the point where you have a decision to make. Because then it's (laughs) like, okay, well, do you undo the transaction then, which is you activate Gallo and you send down Julian, who was called up for Gallo. But if Julian has another game or two like this in the meantime, or even just you know holds his own here for the next uh, three games or whatever, I don't know that you necessarily want to do that because you can use Gallo at first base yeah. and use Julian at second still. You might have a decision even before that though, because now that you if you activate um, Kepler, yeah, who's sitting? Because I mean, I mean, you've got Kepler taking one of those corner outfield spots. Walner is the one who sent down. Walner wasn't in the lineup to begin with. Who right. is Kepler replacing in this lineup? Well, probably then? the guy hitting like you know oh seventy seven. Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon to take a day or two off. I mean, that's I'm a, I'm a believer in Nick Gordon, but he right. hasn't played well. Um, and if he's mostly playing corner outfield, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to hit at that yeah. point. Uh, yeah, and I think the other move that was made was Kyle Farmer, who I'm sure everyone saw the video or were watching, yeah. got hit in the face. Uh, in the last White Sox game two days ago by a 92-mile-an-hour Lucas Giolito fastball. And I was sitting in the press box, which is, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred feet away, whatever it is. And I was – I the sound of it, because we're, like, behind home plate, right. the sound of it convinced me that it hit all helmet. And so in the moment, it made <laughs> right. such yeah. a sound that I thought, oh, well, at least it hit 100% helmet and 0% head. Yes. It turns out it hit zero percent helmet, helmet and one hundred, right. which is so like, Bad. yeah. Oh my right. god! The if I would have known that when I heard the sound, right. I might have thrown up. Uh, and yeah, we, we, now, I was, I was directly above you. Yeah, oh, <laughs> uh, just, and uh, I honestly have been thinking, right. like it's been going through my head, like the sound. Okay, just like I've been. Th- it's I'm not usually like that. Uh, he was hit essentially in the mouth. Right. Um, went immediately down. You know, obviously the fear there is. You know, fractured skull, fractured right. jaw. I mean, it can be bad, bad. It can be bleeding right. in the brain. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, he was immediately taken to the hospital. The diagnosis 
was relatively good. I mean, given the the circumstances, like Baldelli even said, thank God it wasn't as bad as we expected. But I mean, it's still bad, bad. He, the bottom four teeth, uh, were displaced is how they're calling it right. which means the ball basically pushed them right, to a place they shouldn't right. be he had ho- to have, it's a hockey injury yeah so <laughs> right, he had to yeah. have surgery to kind of uh realign his bottom teeth yeah. and then he had a huge laceration from that and from just the impact uh on his jaw which he had to have surgery facial facial surgery for that i mean it's going to be a long road back for kyle farmer however within that you know, he's, they said yesterday he's been texting and he seems in relatively good spirits and all that. It's going to, I mean, like there is no timetable for return here. And the unfortunate thing is even if he can get physically healthy, it might take months. Who knows? Like, I don't even really want to speculate on that. There's going to be a sort of fear component here. Yeah, I mean, well, which would be so, natural. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, by the way, Giolito might have that on the other side right. the yeah. next time he takes the mound. He like, was absolutely shaking yeah. after that. Giolito, yeah. who's pretty widely known as a, a, a good dude, like, I, it, it obvi- very obviously was not anywhere intentional. But right. And so I just wonder, because I don't have mentioned it. Like, when I was playing Little League when I was like 14. His immediate reaction you knew it wasn't intentional. Yes. Right, yeah. When I was playing Little League when I was like 14, a guy threw behind, like way behind me. And this uh-huh. is, you know, when they're throwing 70-something. And I just instinctively jumped, like jumped back out of the sure, box, right. right into the ball, and it hit me flush on the forehead. And it, I woke up, laying on the plate, and there was like a doctor giving me a concussion test with a little uh, flashlight. Right. And I didn't even remember. I'm like, what is happening? And here's, by the way, how bad uh, parenting was back in the '90s. <laughs> you finished playing. Stayed again. in the game. They moved me. They, here's what they did. They moved me from third base to first base. Was the only thing they did, which I would argue was worse. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I just remember sitting in the dugout and they put like a a cold towel around me and my head was sore. Like it was physically sore. And the guy's like, uh, hey, we're going to have so-and-so play third. You'll play first just so you don't have to move around as much. And I was like, okay. And then I woke up the next morning and I had like a egg the size of a dinosaur egg under my head. Anyway, but yes, 14-year-old me. You know, I took a game or two off, went back, and I was like scared S-less because I was like, how often is this going to happen? <laughs> right, yeah, and, right. you know, I'm going to guess Kyle Farmer's a little tougher than me then or now. <laughs> right. uh, but I, I worry about that aspect, too. He was, you know, with Correa back, obviously, after missing a few games, the hope is Correa's uh, minor back problems are done, and he'll essentially play every day here. Right. So Farmer as the backup shortstop hopefully won't be needed, but you never know. But he had just already kind of become – because he came from Cincinnati, where he played with Maui and Sonny Gray and Donovan Solano, he had very and he was the media good guy in Cincinnati. Right. He was a very yes. leadership role in Cincinnati. He had already taken on a pretty prominent clubhouse role. Like he was a very well liked already. Sure. And just talking to him, it's easy to see why. Right. And so I feel like this just is really you know you don't want to see this happen to anyone very obviously. But yeah, it is a uh, I don't know. I feel for him. It's it's one of the I mean it's one of the bad parts of baseball is that a couple times a season. This happens to somebody, and yeah. it's not anybody's fault, and it's not on purpose, and there's no you know moral aspect of it. It's just everyone just goes, God, that sucks. And Baldelli said, and actually, I thought Ryan Jeffers had the best quote afterward. He said, "You see that happen, and you just go, how quickly can we go home? Like, <laughs> right, how yes. do we end this? Right. Like, how do we? Like, we might as well win the game because we're going to feel stupid if we lose this game, and then he's injured. Right. But like, right. who cares about the game? How do we get out of here? Right. And so I don't know. It was a uh, Everybody was shaken up, and 
you know, roster-wise, all of a sudden now Willie Castro and Nick Gordon are your backup shortstops. They called up Kyle Garlick as the actual roster move for Kyle Farmer uh, to replace him on the roster. That might be a move that they – Reverse too, if uh, if uh, Kepler and or Gallo come back, right? Too, right. Potentially, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it just you know, I think they they're gonna probably start garlic tonight against Nestor. Uh, yeah, I would think so. And then I don't know the next maybe time they he, face a lefty. Maybe he's the lefty that goes back. I mean, I would think that if Walner, if Kepler comes, I would think if Kepler the other one come Kepler or um, Gallo come the back, they'll get rid. You like my grandma? Now. The other one. Who's the other one? The other kid. Uh, come back. They'll get rid of the other left-handed hitter they have on there before they get rid of the right-handed hitter. But yeah, what they'll get rid. They'll send Garlic down before they send down Walner. Is what I'm saying. And I'm saying they'll send down Walner before they send down Garlic. Oh, you got there. Yeah, you I'm got struggling through. Oh, yeah. I give John these looks, like buddy. <laughs> You're on your own for this one. Uh, but the second one, I would think it would be Garlic. That would be the second one. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it could be. I mean, because you you need – it depends. If they're comfortable with Gordon as a backup shortstop, you could send down Willie Castro. But what well, has Willie Castro done negatively from spring training? Nothing, really. Well, I mean, I mean and he just – garlic came jumping in at backup shortstop. <laughs> no, but I'm saying if, if you're not using Gordon in the outfield, right. Gordon yeah. could be the backup shortstop. Okay, before we get to a few uh, – we're going to talk Louis Varlin. We're going to talk some other things, too. Yeah. Let's hit our first uh, sponsors here, which is for, one of them's Forgotten Star Brewing, which John did an event there a couple weeks ago for uh, opening day. Yeah, it was huge. It, it went they, well. They took care of 325 people, so they'll absolutely take care of you. And, in fact, this upcoming week, they have a very special event. It's their first annual ever charity week at the brewery. So, basically, uh, if you go there Monday through Sunday – uh, from the 17th to the 23rd, each day they're featuring a different charity, neighborhood group, or nonprofit in the tap room. On top of that, they're donating a dollar from every pint sold during that week to these charities. So I'm going to read the, what they wanted me to spend the minute on is reading about the charities quick. So that's what we're going to do. Monday, Infinite Ingredient, a local group uh, works to create better access for mental health care for craft beverage employees. Tuesday, Second Harvest Heartland, local community food bank. Wednesday, Outfront Minnesota is the state largest LBGTQ civil rights group. Thursday, it's the Fridley Schools, unveiling a community donation box on the taproom for the Fridley High School students in need. Urban Ventures on Friday. Urban Ventures provides cradled career support for youth and families in one of Minneapolis' most under-resourced neighborhoods. Friends of the Mississippi on Saturday, they work to help care for one of the state's greatest natural resources in our backyards. And finally, on Sunday, which is also, by the way, their Sunday night baseball happy hour we talked about last time, it is the Northern Suburban Center for the Arts. It's a local nonprofit art center that provides a gallery, classes, and more to the Fridley community. So, surely one of those <laughs> right. is up your alley right. to support while drinking. Yeah, drink, drink and do some good. So, yeah, Forgotten Star Brewing. Uh, one of our favorite spots, they're uh, East River Road and 49th. It's right. technically Fridley, but it's like 12 minutes from downtown That's or whatever. Right. Yes, uh, yeah, check them out. Forgotten yep. Star Brewing. Drink some beer. Feel good that your money's going to charity. Twins, we'll have our uh, long, uh, kind of a long road trip here, but then they get a long homestand right afterwards, and you're going to want to be wearing some uh, soda stick uh, gear to the uh, to Target Field. And they've got a brand new one. <laughs> it's called the... Ball, ball machine shirt. Would you like to describe it for me? Yes, there's an infamous picture <laughs> from the 80s, maybe the early 90s, probably early 90s, of a Zubas wearing Tom Kelly <laughs> smoking, smoking a, heater. a heater in the Metrodome, indoors, 
and he's feeding a ball into the pitching machine. <laughs> you know, pregame batting. Who knows what it was? Pregame batting practice, whatever. And it is like the essence of Tom Kelly, basically, <laughs> which is like he looks a mess, but also he's a manager who's feeding the pitching machine, right. which is not something you see a lot because right. he's the guy who's uh, has his finger on everything. Um, so that's available right now. It's a right famous now. shirt. Yes. And so they've sort of reenacted the shirt a little bit. Yes. Or, or the picture. Right. In, they've turned it into a shirt, right. uh, which you can get at, at sodastickco.com. And if you do, you can use the promo code Gleeman and you get, what do you get? 15, 15% off. off. That's right. Which is uh, pretty good. So yeah, go check out Sodastick. That shirt's new. And then they also just have a lot of good twins and, and general Minnesota sports shirts. Sodastick. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. I guess let's talk a little bit about rotation, and we'll get into the Varlin thing, uh, which was interesting last night. They uh, seven more good innings from Joe Ryan in a blowout. And by the way, when they scored nine in the first, I thought to myself, "Well, okay, Joe, uh, as long as you there don't you uh, die on the mound yep. and go five, you're getting a win here." And I also thought, "Well, this is going to be a chance for them to pull him early after five, probably." Go to Cole Sands for a three or four out or three or four inning save because that's the save rule is silly. Instead, they let Joe Ryan go seven because yeah, he's cruising. I, I actually thought the opposite. I thought this was a chance for him to throw a no hitter or a complete game well, because just okay. pump him over the plate. <laughs> and he, well, yeah. he, he certainly took that. He took that uh, philosophy. He was throwing strikes. He threw a lot of strikes and to. Uh, using that fastball uh so he goes seven and then cole sands finished it off i'm assuming cole sands will be sent down today but again you guys are going to be listening to this after that move is probably made so we're not going to speculate too much but it was the fourth time this season that a twin starting pitcher struck out 10 or more batters which is more times than that happened all of last season (laughs) it's happened four times in 13 games it happened three times in 162 games last year We've talked so much about how different the Twins' rotation has been so far this year, not only in terms of quality, but in terms of quantity. That stat obviously kind of displays that. Uh, They're they're getting not only six or seven innings from these guys, but they're getting dominant outings, high strikeout totals, a lot of missed bats, a lot of swings and misses. They continue to lead the majors in innings per start. They're almost a half an inning per start above the number two team right. in that regard. Like they are they're below they're like lapping the field in that, which and I would not have believed that at any point in the last uh, I don't know, forty years. And it's not like they've been having I mean they had a easy first couple of series. Right. But since then it's been yeah. Houston and the White Sox and now the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, like this is this just is, right. Yeah, this is the meat of a schedule certainly. Uh a couple notes within that. Sonny Gray threw five shutout against the White Sox and Left with, I don't know, 70-something pitches, yeah, 75 pitches, pitches roughly. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, that's kind of strange. It's more like a last year start for Sonny Gray. But it turned out afterward uh, he was very sick with like a up, upper respiratory, which Baldelli had some of and a couple other guys on the team have had. It's been going around the clubhouse. And uh, not only – so they knew it was going to be a short start. They were hoping to get four or five innings out of him, turn it over to the bullpen. Uh Baldelli revealed, uh, oh, yeah, also uh, he puked like 10 seconds before the game. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Pete Mackey, the pitching coach, came up to Baldelli like as they were about to take the field and said, uh, oh, Rocco, uh, Sonny just threw up. And Rocco, <laughs> this is what he told us, he said, I, I turned to Pete and I said, 
what do you want me to do with that information? <laughs> like the train has left the station. Basically, he's about to run out to the mound right. or walk slowly out. Yeah, to we're the not mound. we're not uh, we're not bringing Oberly over up today. Right. Right, right. So it's like, well, that's good to know. But uh, you know, we, we were watching that start. Uh, we were we got to that like the fourth and fifth inning watching that. And we were noticing that he was using every second on the pitch yeah, clock. Yeah, he was a little more deliberate. And we were like... He was also grunting to the point that we could hear him in the press box. It was almost like right. Rich Hale-esque right. from a few years so ago. So, we were like, what's going on with him? Is he like, is he, is he just... Is it yeah. the heat or something? Like, what's going on? That, we, yeah. that he's using every he second felt like, like death that. was the and then, and official then, word. And then when he came out, did not come out for the sixth, we were like, well, he must have been struggling with something. And then sure enough, yeah. The, yeah he was struggling to news. keep his lunch down is <laughs> what he was struggling with. It. As I noted... He threw up and then hurled five shutout innings. <laughs> um, so that was another. I mean, if that's the thing, like they're, they're I don't want to say that was a bad start. He threw five shutouts, but I mean, <laughs> right. like their lesser starts this year, like the worst starts they've had, have been they had three straight six inning four run starts right. um, for a stretch in there, and it was like they would have killed for those type of starts last season. I would, like to, I would like to see what the game score was on like the worst start this year compared to like all of last year. How I mean, many games the they had with, with of that. Right? What are we, 13 games in, they're 9-4. and four. They lead the majors in innings. I think they're top five in ERA. I know they're top five in strike. They might be leading the majors in strikeout rate, which is another incredible stat for the Minnesota right. Twins. They haven't really had a bad start. No. Like, you know, you can argue that six innings, four runs from an ERA standpoint, that's a six ERA. But, you know, six innings, four runs, what you'll get after that mostly from managers and players is, well, they gave us a chance to win. Right. There's yeah, like a, right. there's almost like a respect for that type of start, which is like you clearly didn't have it. Right. And it was, you know, Ryan, Maui, Maeda, I think. Or you just gave up one big hit, right, which like, is what happened in all three of those games. Correct. Right. Um, if those are your bad starts, you're going to be a really, really good team because – you know, true bad starts are two and two thirds, eight. Run. I mean, true or, bad or starts or nine runs on top of the first inning. This poor son of a. I think it was like one of his first starts. He had a 090 ERA. I yeah, know coming into yeah, the game. I'm yeah. assuming that was a limited number of innings. But yeah, he. Uh, you know, there were some homers, but there was a lot of just doubles to the gaps. Well, that's one of the other things I want to talk about with that game was their approach during that game was pretty clearly. Don't be afraid to hit it to the opposite field. Right. Which, especially <laughs> Vasquez had a couple nice hits to the opposite field. Doubles. Vasquez had like four hits, three hits. It, it's, it sort of reminded me of uh, the Twins of like the 2002 to 2004 era, right? Which, you know, we were fairly critical of the Twins and have been criti critical of the Twins for emphasizing that sort of go the opposite way too right. much in this in this. You know, last well, two decades, right? Because they, they were doing it in search of singles. Well, maybe. I would right, say right, this right, team right, is doing right. it in search of, like Correa's homer was to the opposite field. Right, and yeah. a bunch of, uh, Miranda's so double that Ju scored a couple. Julian's was to the opposite field. Well, that's true too. Yeah, right, from the left right. side. Julian right. has a, like, a lot of, people are going to see this. What you'll notice is he draws a lot of walks. What you'll also notice is he takes a lot of balls to left and left center as a left-handed hitter, which is always interesting. Larnick is the same way. Right. Um, even Larnick's flyout, which Larnick made two of the three outs in the first inning, which is always amusing to me. Right. And he one was a sack fly that drove in a run, and he hit that like 400 feet to dead center. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were just on everything. Now, they only scored two runs after that. But, I mean, it's it's not that you let down, although they did pull their starters, like, which right. I thought was yeah. smart. Right. Like they pulled Buxton and Correa and uh, one other – who else did they pull? Anyway, uh, 
But wait, one more note on the on the Sorry. rotation. Lopez had a brutal Pablo Lopez had a brutal first four batters right. against the White Sox, including yes. an error on a play he tried to make on a, like a squibber, which was terrible. <laughs> just a one of the worst, play, yeah, right. terrible play. Um, for a guy who's a pretty good athlete, and I was just like, ooh, I bet he hates himself right now. For well, and, the, and it looked like he hated himself for the next two batters. Right. I mean, it was, like, it, it was I, on the verge of falling apart in he, the first inning. He faced the exact same situation after two batters that he saved, saved uh, that he faced after four batters, which are runners on second and third and no outs. And by then, he had gathered his composure right. by the fourth one. No runs scored on that right. after that so point. He, now he limited the first inning damage, which could have been you don't make it all the first inning easily. Right. He limited it to two runs and then retired twenty three consecutive batters. Yeah. Basically, through you know seven no hit innings right. uh, functionally or seven perfect innings or whatever, uh, and did it in a very interesting way, which is. He has incorporated a new pitch, which is a sweeper, which is a slider that breaks more horizontally east-west, uh, which is sort of taking over baseball. Joe Ryan has been throwing it. Every team's got a guy or two. Every Let me put it this way. Any analytically sound team has a guy right. or two who started throwing this because what happened is all the pitching coaches and the analytics nerds on these teams figured out that the movement of this pitch is kind of potentially the next frontier in getting swings and misses from hitters. They figured out that if you kind of start a ball inside, let's say righty versus righty, and instead of having that sharp break that a normal slider would have, it's got more of kind of a sweeping effect that it's very hard to put a solid swing on it. And so he had never thrown that pitch till he showed up to Fort Myers, but the Twins were very confident because Pablo Lopez is, A, a very good pitcher, but also super smart and one of these guys who's very curious and very willing to tweak. and not only did he throw it during spring training, his first start opening day, he threw it like 20 times, got good results. Then his second start, uh, which was in Miami against his old team, he threw it like 30 times out of 85 pitches. This is a new pitch. Then he goes into that White Sox start, and he throws a couple of them, and he thinks, it's just not – I don't have it today, this sweeper. Right, right. Or they're getting good swings on it. They're and looking he, for it. And he said, like well, I'm sure they game plan for it. And then so he said – Vasquez between after the first inning said, "What if we just ditch that? Like, what if we just forget that? Let's right. let's revamp the game plan. Fastball changeup, which is what he's done for years. And I think in a weird way, it kind of it helped him. them, yeah, because the White Sox continued to go up there looking for this third new pitch, which has a spin to it and a different break to it. And he was just pounding fastballs and changeups. And then he did another smart thing was." He's setting down 15 in a row, 18 in a row. And then at the very end, he went back to some of the sweepers right. and had a decent feel and got some strikes on it. So I don't know. I just continue to be so impressed with uh, with Pablo Lopez, which is good because Luis Arise is hitting approximately 850 <laughs> uh, for the Marlins. Had a, that same night that Lopez pitched so well, right. uh, Luis Arise hit for the first <laughs> cycle, the cycle in right. Marlins yeah. history. And the first opposite field home run. Versus the Phillies, by the way. I was getting yes. I was getting all kinds of texts from my Phillies friends going, we're wondering why you traded this guy away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I said to somebody. And that's with, from a completely random team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're in his Fans division. They're in his team. division. Exactly though, right. so yeah, well, like, that's true. Right. They're more like, why did you trade this guy away? Uh, but now we get to the point of the rotation where today, tonight, there's going to be the first change. So it took uh, 13 games, 14 games, for the first change. Uh, they're hopeful that it's going to be a one-day thing, but here's what happened. So Louis Varlin was scheduled to start 
last night, Thursday night, yeah. for AAA St. Paul and was scratched from the lineup like an hour before the game. And I start scrambling, calling, you know, texting, not calling, texting sources and saying, is he hurt? Bad weather. What's going on? No, it was 80 and sunny. He's fine. He was actually at the ballpark at one point. It turns out he was a healthy scratch, which then sets the ball in motion. And Dan Hayes is digging into it in New York. It turns out what they ended up doing was Varlin left the Saints, flew to New York last night uh, to pitch tonight at Yankee Stadium. They're going to push back Tyler Malley, who was supposed to pitch tonight. One day, so he'll pitch uh, Saturday. So he gets an extra day of rest. Yeah, he well, gets an right? extra day of rest, which they've talked about wanting to do with with Maui and Maeda. And then they're just going to skip Kenta Maeda's next start, which was supposed to be Saturday. Yep. Um, they're going to not place him on the injured list for now, at least. Let's say. Uh, and they're insisting, at least the quotes to the reporters in New York, were it's more overall fatigue as opposed to any elbow soreness. Or anything like that. And I do think we kind of saw that, you know, the, the drop off in sharpness from his first start post Tommy John, which was the fifth game of the yeah. season, to his second start post Tommy John, which was the 10th game of the season, was big. I mean, he was still reasonably effective. He had one of those six inning, four run starts that we were just talking about. Right. And I mean, most of the damage done on one big right. hit. But right. just a lot fewer swings and misses. The velocity was down a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, that's certainly something to. Keep tabs on. He's 35 years old, and he missed a year and a half with Tommy John. So, you know, the sharpness and the command and the velocity from a start-to-start basis is worth tracking because it's going to fluctuate. And it's not surprising that, you know, he is fatigued. He hasn't thrown six innings in a start for two years, basically. Uh, They also talked during spring training and even like three, four days ago about trying to find places in the schedule – either through off days where you can push guys back in the rotation or in a situation like this with, I assumed it would be Bailey Ober, but Varlin also works and Simeon Woods Richardson might work in this spot too at some point where they look at the schedule and they go, if we brought a guy up to start tonight, we could push everyone back one or we could skip Maui, we could skip Maeda, we could skip whoever, give them basically an extra five days off, lessen their overall workload. That's kind of the plan. And so this doesn't come out of nowhere. It's certainly not good news. I mean, if Maeda was feeling great, they would have had him make a start. Um, but it's not totally unexpected. It is funny to me to think of Louis Varland as their Yankee Stadium specialist, this <laughs> rookie from St. Yeah, Paul, right, yeah. where they're like, he made his de- he made his debut there and threw five yeah. good innings, struck out Aaron Judge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, also gave a home run to Aaron Judge. Well, no, <laughs> Who didn't? Who didn't last year? Exactly right. That was, that's or just this a, year? For that's that just matter. a badge of honor, <laughs> right? Uh, and then he's coming back to make now what is this? This will be a sixth start, I think, in the I majors. Think right. So two at Yankee. Well, Stadium. I mean, the Twos are also. It's a little bit weird this year in that. They just don't have the usual number of off days that you usually see in April. Uh, right. They've you know they basically had the, the they had them right away. They had them, yeah they had the one right away. I mean listen before the day after opening day is always an off day no matter who, almost almost no matter which team right. you're playing with, playing against right and then you've got your home opener off day but then they played like ten games in a row yeah uh, and then they immediately after the off day they have on Monday they're playing fourteen games in a row. Uh, and you just don't see that kind of leap to uh, leap to full craziness uh, in a major league baseball uh, schedule too often. And then after that, uh, May opens up a little bit. They've got a right. few more off days in May, so yeah, you, maybe get, you get one every ten days or something back, like that. Right. Yep. Usually, uh, 
So yeah, I mean, I'm very curious to see how Varlin pitches. I think certainly he's he's ready. I mean, we've talked about him before, but back to back minor league pitcher of the year for them. He looked good pretty consistently in the five starts he got down the stretch for them, including the debut at Yankee Stadium. You know, he he throws strikes, got a good mid nineties fastball, got a good breaking ball. Question with him is you know third pitch changeup type of thing, but he's been working on that. Uh, you know, I think. He's an example of their rotation depth, which we talked a lot about Ober being, you know, a sixth quality starter right. who's vastly overqualified to be at AAA. For most teams, Louis Varlin would have been in the opening day rotation too as, oh, you know, yeah. fourth or fifth starter. Right. I mean, for that matter, most Twins teams in the past 20 <laughs> years would have had the, you know, well, AAA minor league pitcher of the year in there. Yeah, uh, even more so than most major league teams. Well, <laughs> that's a fair point, too. Uh, the Twins especially is how I should have right, phrased yeah. that. Uh, so he's seventh on the depth chart. And I know people were like, well, why not Ober to get this start? But Ober started Wednesday at right. AAA through six shutout innings, I think 67 pitches, I want to say. And I think it's pretty clear by the timing, Ober is first in line and can be called up and sent back down just as Varlin can be. But I'm assuming this suggests that they weren't sure what the plan was going to be for Maeda until they gave Maeda two or three days post-start and possibly had him throw a bullpen session yeah, that's what, to get yeah. a sense of, are you fatigued? Do you feel great? Are you Is your elbow sore? How's the velocity? How's yeah. the spin rate? Like, let's, let's measure some things and see how we feel about that. It's not – Ober had already pitched at AAA by the time they probably came to the conclusion that, hey, let's put Maui back one – skip Maeda and then Varlin, who was scheduled to start Thursday, having him start Friday is a little more doable. Once Ober takes the mound Wednesday at St. Paul or for St. Paul, he's not going to be available at any point during this Yankee series. So you couldn't accomplish the right. same thing. Now, could you have planned in advance? Yeah, but I mean, you are dealing with humans here. You can't just, yeah. you could have just said, no matter what happens to Maeda, he's going to make two starts and then he's going to skip his third start, sure. in which case it could have been Ober. But I think they wanted to actually see how Maeda felt and react to that, which you know makes perfect sense. Right. Uh, before we get into Kepler, Gallo, some other <laughs> injury stuff, some updates on Polanco and Kirloff, let's talk about next couple sponsors, including this is a new one. Pay attention to this one because this is a this fun, is be fun. This is a fun one. Our friend and uh, former multi-time guest, sure, Do Hyung Park, right. the MLB.com Twins beat writer, right. two-time. Jeopardy uh, loser, participant, <laughs> contestant, let's say. Loser, though. Uh, L-O-S-E-R. That's a different one. Um, he's like a – he's a genius. He's like the smartest guy I've ever met. <laughs> right, right, but he's right. also incredibly good at trivia. And so he now has tra- – he's still writing about the twins, but that's like sure. a side gig now. He's transitioned his career into the trivia guru phase, which yeah. is only natural for yeah, a guy like him. And so – He's hosting a trivia event that is for charity that we're about to tell you the details for, which I think is just phenomenal. Uh, And it's going to be, I think we're going to have some Twins beat writers there. I think we're going to have some trivia teams, et cetera. Uh, If only to heckle him. The the group is 826MSP. It's a nonprofit youth writing center located in South Minneapolis. It serves about 1,300 quids in the Twin Cities every year. 
and uh, basically they're trying to amplify the voices, stories, and powers of K-12, black, indigenous, indigenous, and students of color through writing, publishing, and leadership programs. They do everything from uh, student writing into books, writing and literacy tutoring, summer writing workshops, hosting elementary school field trips with cost to no students, and they're having this cool fundraiser that involves trivia, which is, it's trivia for t- cheaters. <laughs> so you basically, you get a team together. Doe is going to be the host, (laughs) reading the things. And when you don't know the answer, you can cheat, but you have to donate donate some money that's to, the charity for, for the particular which i like this a lot the, i do too i'm really excited about this i, I like this in other f- things like you could play a <laughs> baseball game and if you fall behind by enough runs you can buy runs i like that as <laughs> I a like that idea charity too. component too but right. so it's it's thursday may 25th at you're gonna say this La, La, La Doña cerveceria in minneapolis it's a craft you. brewery in uh uh right well, just by Penn and Glenwood, kind of. Uh, the Twins are off that night, yeah. which is how the beat writers can be there and right. how yes. Twins fans can be there without missing anything. That's it's right. a pub-style trivia, sports, movies, books, history, just general stuff. You can make a team up to five players. You raise money. Uh, every dollar you raise, you gets, the team gets the equivalent of that in cheat cash, which you can kind of trade in for That's points right. and all that. Um, and uh, there's, they're giving away tickets to United Games and Can Can Wonderland. And if twins game, if you go sign up, here's, yeah. here's the best. Ooh, part I like this. this. Yeah, <laughs> our listeners, if you when you sign up, you can enter the code Gleeman, one of the most renowned cheaters there is. Gleeman, <laughs> uh, when registering, and you your team will get in, like a, a bonus of two hundred and fifty dollars in cheat cash. <laughs> now it's not real money, but it's right tradable for points. Right. Um, to learn more and to sign up for your team. Go to 826MSP.org, that's 826MSP.org, and click on the tab for trivia for cheaters. Yeah, that's right. Support that. Heckle dough. Cash in my cheating uh, (laughs) reputation for extra cash. What more more can you need? Uh, Also- Hello uh, Fresh. Yeah, Hello Fresh. We got we got to talk about this because uh, you know Chrissy recently had surgery. She doesn't want to go to the grocery store. Yeah. I'm having surgery Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, I don't want to go to the grocery store. Guess what we got coming Wednesday? Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh. Here's how Hello Fresh works. Right. They send you all the ingredients. First of all, they have new menus every week, and they have like meat eater menus, vegetarian menus, family menus, which is stuff right. that kids might like. Yeah. They have all kinds of stuff. Whatever you need, you go there, you pick what you want. You can look it over. You can look at pictures. You can choose. They'll send you all the ingredients, pre-portioned, fresh ingredients, right to your house, along with step-by-step instructions. And the reason I say instructions, it is a recipe, but it also has, like, pictures. pictures. And, like, literally, <laughs> yes. number four, do this. Here's what ginger looks like. Do that. So if you're a good cook, you can just cook this good meal and enjoy it. Right. If you're an idiot like me who can't cook anything, you can still use this to produce a good meal that looks good and you can feel proud of uh and hello fresh here's the deal they have it's uh i believe it's america's number one meal kit uh, here's the deal they have you go to hellofresh.com slash gleeman 50 and use the promo code gleeman 50 and the reason it's 50 is you get 50 percent off 50 percent right. off plus your first box ships completely free so that's HelloFresh.com slash Gleeman50. Use the promo code 50 and you get 50% off. Okay. Um, let me just make sure we hit hit all these bullet points because I 
<laughs> I spend upwards of six to seven minutes putting these together. You're very John. concerned with your list today. I can see that. It's a long list. <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Um, all right. So we talked about Kepler, Gallo. I mean, these are both I would describe as precautionary uh, IL stints. Kepler, I would say in general, the last couple years has kind of taken the approach of especially April, May, let's be pretty careful here. If I tweak this, yeah. tweak that, you know, could I sit for five more days and be good to go? And that's always the question. We talked a lot about that on the Patreon, the idea of why are they not placing these guys on the injured list sooner? If you want a breakdown of that, we discussed that for yeah. like 15 minutes on the Patreon show the other day. Uh, Gallo, you know, it's funny to – there's you can read into this of like – well, it allowed him to not go to Yankee Stadium uh, where he was about to get booed <laughs> by 50,000 people. But that's I will true. say this. Like I'm sure people have read into that because um, he said basically I feel I feel good. Right. They're sending him out on a rehab assignment to join the Saints so he can kind of get some live at-bats. It's an uncommon uh, timeline for a very a short-term injury. Yeah. And so it creates a situation where you're trying to read between the lines. I will say this about Gallo. Yes, he ends up skipping the Yankee Stadium trip which he would have been booed mercilessly <laughs> but we asked him about that three four days ago in the clubhouse and i thought his answer now who knows how he's really feeling about it but his answer which seemed pretty genuine to me was oh yeah i'm very curious to see if i get booed more than carlos at yankee <laughs> stadium and he kind of said look i'm not gonna it's not gonna be fun to get booed by fifty thousand people in a spot where i really would have loved to perform better All right but he kind of said, how many people have this going to have this life experience? Right, uh, like, right. you know, I get to go home and continue my life afterward. It might not be the most fun. <laughs> and his, he was hoping to, you know, be on the roster and come through with it's a hit It's not like two. he wasn't prepared for it, right. mentally prepared for it. Right. But, you know, he ends up missing that series. He's going to be eligible to come back shortly after Kepler is eligible to come back, basically, this early, this upcoming week. We'll see if that happens. I mean, if they're able to add Kepler and Gallo back to this lineup – at the expense, probably like we said, of of Walner and then either Garlic or you know I don't even know. I'm guessing Garlic. Right. Uh, it shouldn't be Julian, but that I mean, who knows? Yeah, who I mean, knows? Julian goes over fifteen in right. the next yeah, five right. games. Who knows? Things could change, but that could really change. This seems odd to talk about the lineup struggling after they scored nine runs in the first inning, but uh, you know that can change the face of this lineup, particularly in terms of left-handed hitters, which is where they've been lacking for the most part. I mean, that you know. Vasquez is hitting well. He's a bottom of the order righty. Michael A. Taylor all of a sudden is hitting for power at the very bottom of the lineup. But you're going to have, you know, the Correa, Buxton, Miranda is pretty much going to ensure that you have some good right-handed hitters no matter what. But they've kind of struggled this year to find who leads off as a lefty. Maybe that's Julian. But who bats third or fourth? Well, that's been Larnick. But after a hot start, he's cooled down a little bit. Who's batting yeah. kind of in that five to seven range as a lefty? Well, it was Gallo briefly. Uh, it could be Kepler, potentially. It could be Gordon, except he's started slow. So those two bats, or at least one of those two bats, getting back soon. It's somewhat rare to see a 9-4 and four team be 12th overall in the American League and run scored. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, that – it's easy to to kind of overlook the offensive problems or what's been going on. And they've had some big games in that, too. Yeah, right. Which really right. tells you how many games they've had nothing. Right. Like, they've already right. scored 11 yesterday. They had an eight-run game. I think they had another double-digit game in there, too. So, 
Yeah, it's been very hit or miss, boom or bust, which was the case last year also. I mean, right. their lineup, now it completely fell apart in September, but right. through August, I think they had like a top six lineup, but it was so all or nothing. It was eight overall, runs or, I think they were basically middle of the road, yeah, middle of the road offenses overall, even after the tough right. September. Right. Uh, and then in addition to that, Polanco and Kirloff continue to rehab together at low A Fort Myers. Yep. Kirloff homered to the opposite field last night. Well, that's good Polanco had another hit. Polanco Ooh. has now played either four or five rehab games, and Kirloff has played two. Uh, they've been basically one day on, one day off. The next question I think probably is, when does Polanco move to St. Paul to kind of put the finishing touches on a rehab assignment where you start to really focus on performance as opposed to just reps? Right. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the – they both go together sometime next week. Uh, St. Paul's back in I'll town. I'll be surprised if they, go, if they go together. But, I mean, here's the thing. A rehab assignment for a hitter is 20 days maximum right. unless you reset it with a new injury or something. Kirloff's already five days in. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think they're going to both get sent to AAA Monday. It might be Polanco, but he can't be that far behind him really, like just mathematically, right. yeah. um, which is why it was a little bit of a surprise that they started Kirloff's rehab assignment this week. I was kind of expecting it to be maybe a week or two further away than that. But, I mean, it's a good sign, as is right. obviously hitting a hitting a home run. Um, Especially the opposite field. Yeah. With Polanco, I don't know. A couple of people who saw him have been watching him in Fort Myers. He's been playing second base every game for, you know, six innings, seven innings. He's not uh, he's not moving real well in sa- at second base. He's hitting. And base running-wise, he's been fine. But either because he's being cautious with his knee – or he's just, you know, still not 100%. Right? right. He's not moving great. So obviously that's a factor. I mean, there's no room for him as a DH uh, if he's just coming right. back for his bat. So he needs to be able to feel his position. Unless they decide they're going to start moving Buxton. Not, uh, that ain't happening. Uh, in my opinion. Not anytime soon, I mean. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the next, you know, first wave is going to be Kepler, then probably Gallo. Then, prob- you know, assuming things continue to go relatively well, then Polanco and then Kirilov. Now, it's all going to be within the next two weeks, basically. Or at least there's going to be decisions made on some of this stuff. Right. So, I mean, the lineup in two weeks now, two weeks from now, who knows who's going to be injured? Who knows what's going to be happening? But their lineup is about to look a lot different. I mean, it already does look different than it was five days ago because yep. they've added Julian to it. But the, the lineup potentially, especially among left-handed hitters, because all four of those guys we just talked about, plus Julian, so right. five, <laughs> those are all left-handed yeah, or switch right, hitters. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's – yes, the lineup has started slow. And, yes, all of those guys have big question marks from a health and production standpoint. But – Kirilov certainly has papers. They can keep him in, in AAA if they want to, right? Yeah, although they could use a first baseman at this point. <laughs> a true. left-handed yeah, hitting first baseman. They got Gallo back. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Although uh, your guy uh, Donnie Barrels has been uh, – he's yeah. hitting like 350. Yeah. And he's looked – he made one bad play at first base, but he's looked pretty decent <laughs> at first base. a couple bad plays at first base. Uh, <laughs> by the way, they're, they're, uh, they're unsung, I'll call them, uh, hitters. Now, Farmer's out, so we can't talk right. about him for a while, but – Vasquez had a huge game and is hitting like 380 and yeah. has been praised endlessly by pitchers. I mean, you have to give him some level of credit for a pitching staff that ranks, you know, top three right. in the league yes. at this point. Uh, that's what he's brought in for. And he has been hitting. I mean, he, yes. not just 
not he didn't just heat up recently. He's just been hitting. Right. right. So it's Jeffers for that matter. Yeah, Jeffers and Michael A. Taylor has been showing power that I never <laughs> expected to see out the bottom of the lineup. Right. Although I looked, he has a I believe he has a seventeen to nothing uh, strikeout to walk ratio at this 19. point. Nineteen to nothing. <laughs> okay. I didn't give him enough credit there. Yeah. But who cares? Yeah. If you're right. popping a homer every right. series, it's fine. Well, he did not look good Solano the first week and a half, and now suddenly right. he's just now he's yeah. hitting the out of the ball every he day. He seems to be a very kind of uh I don't want I don't know if it's a he's guessing fastball breaking ball in a lot of this, but like he goes from looking very bad on swings to hitting homers. Right, yeah. Like the, his swing is it's not a control a real controlled approach at the plate. And that's fine. That's stylistically that's how he is. He's right. bottom of the order hitter and ever. But yeah, he's uh, I mean he's come up with some some big hits here. And then yeah, Solano as a as a mid spring two million dollar signing. Yeah. Where I was at a brewery with all the other beat writers <laughs> right. when that news broke. You were there. Yep. And we were all looking around going, well, who? Where's he even going to play? Like, what right. is his what is his role? And now he's been playing every day and he's hitting 350 and he's yeah, coming up with yeah. clutch hits he reminds me so much of i know the comp is always going to be to arise just as a little guy who hits singles but there's almost uh astadio he's a much better hitter and player than astadio but there's sure. a there's almost a feel yeah. I, I felt so often watching astadio especially that first year when it was going well for him when he first got called up and kind of became a, a cult favorite but his swings at the point of contact no one had any sense which direction the ball was going off his bat a lot <laughs> right. of the times. Yes. And I kind of get that feeling with Solano too. Like some hitters, like a rise, you can tell they're kind of trying to serve the ball to the opposite field. Sure. Or certainly with pull hitters, they're gearing up for a big swing. As they're swinging, you go, oh, this ball's going to right. Or this right. ball. Solano takes like the same swing every time. And half the time the ball goes to right, and half the time the ball goes to left, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason to it in terms of the trajectory of the ball off the I bat. I suppose there's some advantage to being yes. able like that too. Like yes. it, it does freeze the fielders for yes. you know, an extra step. And or how two. do you play him when? Yeah, he can. He's capable of pulling the ball. He's got a couple pits, hits past shortstop into that hole, and then other times he just dumps it down the right field line for a single. Yeah. I mean, he's just. I mean, he was billed as the Donnie Barrels. It's like <laughs> yeah. he just hits liner. He just hits singles everywhere. And right. he's, I mean, without him, I don't, I literally don't know who'd be playing first base for them at this point. I mean, he's been playing a lot against yeah, lefties and true. righties. Tyler White, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. Like, right. maybe they move someone over. I do think with. Maybe Nick Gordon. <laughs> that would be a funny. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, you might be seeing Vasquez or something a little bit at first base. He played some first yeah. with, with the Red Sox. Um, one other note on that with Julian. Julian played exclusively second for the Saints the first week yeah. or so. And then even going back to last year at A, 98% of his playing time was at second base. He didn't play first base at all right, last year. For Wichita. Last and, time he played first base was like 2021 for like four games. Right. <laughs> yeah. I asked him about that uh-huh. and said, what positions are you kind of prepared to play? And he said, well, I'll play anywhere. <laughs> right, of course. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, well, have you gotten reps at first? Because I've noticed you haven't been playing first. And he said, oh, yeah, pregame, off days, I play a lot of first. Like I've been getting a lot of ground balls at first. I've been working at first, which is logical. That's, you know, I actually – think he's probably more likely long-term to be a first-base DH bat than a starting yep. second baseman. <laughs> yep, I, I mean, agree. it might be kind of an arise situation where right. he plays a lot of first and DH, and then occasionally they'll throw him out at second on a day where they just want the bat and line up. Right. Um, but Baldelli, I also asked about that, 
you know, is he, he's starting at second now, but are you going to work him into the first base mix? And Baldelli kind of said, I need to see more from him at first before we stick him out there in a game at first. But to your point, a week from now, they're going to have Gallo back. And a week and a half from now or two weeks from now, they might have Kirilov back. In which case, I don't know what yeah, they – But a week from now, they might have Polanco right, back. Right, this is sort of my <laughs> right, point. Yeah, it's right, like but... I don't know because Pol- if Polanco is back, he's going to be playing second in part because he can't be the DH because Buxton's right. the DH. Now, you know, on the one day a week Buxton takes off or whatever. Sure. Three days or whoever. Whatever, somebody's going to DH. But I just mean in terms of mapping out what is their regular lineup now, I don't know. There's going to be a point fairly soon where Julian's performance is going to have to keep him here because it's not going to be super straightforward from a roster standpoint to keep him. Like if Polanco's back and Gallo's back, let alone those two plus Kirloff and plus Kepler, there isn't necessarily room anywhere for for Julian. Now, I would argue if he's hitting at all like we think he's capable of, you can find playing time for him at the expense of Nick Gordon, at the expense of Max Kepler, at the expense of, you know, for that matter, Polanco might need a day or two off. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you've got – if he establishes himself as one of the four guys you really want in that lineup, right? right. Not, don't worry about the fielding. Right. Listen, what we want is four or five really good bats in this lineup. Yeah. You know, Polanco is supposedly one of those bats. So, you know, sure. he's not bumping Polanco, right? But – Everybody else who's not one of those top four or five bats, and there's those top four or five bats are Buxton, Correa, him, maybe Miranda, right? right? Uh, maybe Larnick, right. depending if, if he comes through. You know, uh, anybody else is fair game. I agree, right? And it's also except a catcher, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, it's also funny. Like my feeling on these young guys, like if. I'm trying to think of the example, but I remember years ago there was some twin who was called up, some rookie. And, like, by his third game, he was hitting, like, third or fourth in the lineup. And then a week later, they sent him down. And I was – I remember thinking at the time – we probably talked about it on the show. I can't remember who it was. But I remember thinking, well, that, to me, is illogical, right. those two facts. Right. Which is if you th- – and it, it, this applies to Julian in the leadoff spot, which is I right. suspect now for the next week, we're going to see Julian in the leadoff spot. Yeah. Um, if you feel good about him in the leadoff spot – he ought to be on the team. I'll be interested to see the lineup today. Yeah. Versus the lefty, if he will he still be leading Well, off. I bet he doesn't play against the lefty. But he could. They'll drop him. I bet he either doesn't play or he bats low. But I'm saying against righties, he's going to be your leadoff man for a little while here. Right. And my argument would be, well, if that's the case, if you look at your current 13 position players against a right-hand pitcher and you say, this rookie, Julian, should be batting first in the lineup, well, then no matter how crowded the picture gets over the – next two weeks that suggests to me you have pretty good deal of confidence in him right, relative yeah. to some of those other guys and baldelli praises his bat to no end and not just oh this guy can hit but like the quality of the at bat i mean it, I, it's not he's always full of praise for sure. young players that's sure. I mean, he's not gonna it's not a tom kelly vibe from Rocco baldelli. <laughs> right. you'd ask tom kelly about like todd walker or somebody he'd be like the guy sucks <laughs> i don't know why he's here we'll see and it's like wow okay uh, and you know but but i've in the three or four years i've been around the team i've and he's had some good young hitters come up certainly this is the most i've seen him praise kind of above and beyond the normal thing but does that mean anything when if the roster is at 100% capacity in terms of healthy guys coming back, and all of them are left-handed bats. Right. You know, also, this is cart 
So far, I haven't. Yeah, I know. Worse. This is we talk about the, uh, about getting way yeah. too. What hard are the here. odds? Yeah. A, all those guys come back healthy, right. and B, by the time if they even if they do come back healthy, there aren't two or three other guys who are injured. So, but it's a it's a nice problem to have. It was a great first kind of breakout game for Julian, and I I do like the idea of kind of showing fans. Oh, here, yes. you here's, know, a, glimpse of, here's every, a glimpse of what could yeah, be happening. This is yeah. why everybody's been writing about him and talking about mm-hmm. him and all this stuff. So. Speaking of getting healthy, let's talk about our last sponsor, okay. BetterHelp. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the things we, we talk about a lot uh, about getting healthy uh, physically, but there's also a mental health aspect that you, uh, if you are ready to start taking care of yourself that way, if you are looking for therapy, you're looking for a therapist, you've made that decision and that cannot be, in, that can be a, Difficult decision to make. The last thing you want are a whole bunch of obstacles in the way of actually following through on that urge. And yeah. that's where BetterHelp comes better BetterHelp can make it very easy. If you want to do a video chat with a licensed therapist, you can right. set that up. Yes. If you say, eh, I don't really want to be on video, you can do a phone call. Right. If you say, I don't even want to do a phone call, you can do a live chat where you're just typing. They can tailor it to whatever your specific comfort level is and they have real licensed therapists ready to go right. and they can help you uh, much more quickly than it often takes to do yeah. this in person. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched up with a licensed therapist or if you want to switch therapists at any time for any adi- no additional charge, you can do that. So you can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Just visit betterhelp.com slash Gleeman. You get 10% off your first month, that's BetterHelp H E L P. dot com slash Gleeman. Okay, um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, I w- I mean, I would like Garlic to stay on the team. I would. That, too. I do think that's a role. I haven't looked at how many lefties we got. And we got one coming up in Boston, right? Yeah, one in New York. I don't know because I think Sale got switched, so I don't even know if they're facing a lefty. They're not. They just don't haven't faced lefties, and it doesn't look like they're going to face a ton of lefties. So. Uh, he has an. We, we should mention he's now on the forty man roster, so they can move him back and forth right. as he much as they want to. Right, left. So yeah. I suspect that's probably what's going to happen. Um, we mentioned. Let's see. Correa back from yes. what was it? Did he miss four games? Three games? Four games? I want to say with a four back injury. Yeah, strained back because it started Sunday. Yep. Um, his ability to play now six days a week. Let's say. Is pretty key with Farmer out indefinitely. Right. Um, you know, that was, we talked so much about depth all offseason, and one of the biggest kind of comfort levels was having Farmer, who has spent the last two years as Cincinnati's primary starting shortstop, as a backup shortstop to Correa, who himself is one of the best shortstops in baseball. You were f- feeling so good about that. Like, we literally have an all star starter. And a capable starter in the backup role. Right. Well, now Farmer's out indefinitely through no fault of his own. Obviously, you know, let's hope that goes well uh, for him. Let's hope in a few weeks there's some meaningful updates on him, and he's at least can kind of start the path back uh, to the majors. But that's you know secondary. You know, his ability to play is secondary. He's just getting his you know face right and sure. health right. <laughs> yeah, obviously, right, right. Um, but so they do need Correa to to be playing. You know. Pretty much every day at this point, and you're going to see Willie Castro or Gordon filling in for him. Solano's played some shortstop, but I'd be surprised oh, by that. No way. Obviously, Polanco has played some shortstop, but I'd be pretty surprised if you saw him at shortstop at any point uh, too, based on 
you know, the bad knee and the fact that he hasn't played there in a couple of years. So, well, and since you're losing Farmer too, you're also losing him like versus a left-hander right, tonight as you know? a right-handed bat. And suddenly, that means I think you're going to have to see at least two left-handed bats in that lineup someplace. Yeah, well, they could do. You got Miranda. Castro can basically. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Castro. Now, yeah. Willie Castro is a switch hitter. Yeah, he doesn't really knock around lefties the way that Farmer does. He's right. just a right-handed bat, which is okay. Right. That's just has value in itself. He plays second base over Julian or Nick Gordon. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. We'll see. Um, let's see. There was one other. Oh, Buxton. We talk about all these injuries. When I saw Buxton collide with what was he the doing? second baseman? See, you know what's funny? I heard that reaction from everyone. All the players on both sides, because uh-huh. I saw quotes from the White Sox from our White Sox writer, James Fegan, got them. They all thought that the ump screwed it up and that there was nowhere for Buxton to go unless he literally just stopped. Yeah. The, and if you watch no, the, no, I, the I, ump was on I, his I, right. I, right. Because the ump was like, didn't. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't really know what the rules are. But here's the thing in terms of that second baseman who's completely focusing on the ground ball. Right. And moving into that path. And Buxton, Buxton has it all in front of him. Buxton can see what's going on there. I was just, I mean, you're probably right. He could have. I mean, what could he have done other than stop? Other than stop or go behind, try to go behind right, the runner. Right, but go right. behind because the ump, if you watch, oh, is the peeling opponent. off to the right. Very, I mean, he could have run into the ump pretty easily. And I don't know where the ump was supposed to be and how he was supposed to move and all that. So was so. he trying to hurdle the guy? What was he doing? I mean, he was trying to get to second <laughs> yeah, base. That was the point Baldelli said, which right. is unless you just want him to stop and concede an out. Right. And he said, guess what? Byron is not going to concede an out. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I can't. No, Buxton is not afraid of contact. That much right. we have now established. Be, probably. <laughs> right. But when I saw him hit. I mean, I, I don't know. Everyone loves. He's to, got a football mentality on a baseball player's right. body, right? I mean, everyone loves to assign blame for everything, and you know, maybe there's someone more to blame than not. But I think that was just an example of just a effed up play where everyone's motivation on that play collided. Basically, right. Buxton is just trying to hustle the second so that there's not either a force out or a double play or whatever. The umpire is veering off to the side so that Buxton couldn't even go to the right, and mm. then. Not only was the second baseman in the path, obviously, to get the ball, right. but he was charging, charging in on the right, ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy to look at that and go, well, they should have avoided each other. But this, these are not really decisions yeah, right. that are made. This yeah. is just running. And so when I saw Buxton hit sort of hip to body with the second baseman and then flip yeah, and right. land on his head right. and then stay down as if he'd been shot, right. I thought – well, great. They've just <laughs> lost Kyle Farmer to a brutally bad right. pitch to the face. Everyone's freaked out about that already. Now Buxton, who is perpetually injured, right. uh, has just you know died. I don't know. Like if you look at him and you're just like, <laughs> right. that could be a torn hip. Right. That could be a torn ACL. That could be 18 concussions. Like I'm looking at him, I'm like, I don't know. That could be anything. And he certainly seemed dazed. He kept like dabbing his lip as he came off. And I thought, well, maybe he just hit his face. Yeah. And then afterward – few things. Baldelli was asked about it and said, we don't really have an update on him. And it happened in 90 minutes ago or whatever. He was hit everywhere. So right. we're just like checking every, like we're giving him like, right. when you take your car into the shop and you just go give it the whole list, yeah, yeah. like check the oil, check the <laughs> transmission, check the tires, check the whatever. Right. And so it's like, well, we got to check him for a concussion. He's got a busted lip. His his hip might be sore, which he's had hip problems. His knee, which is the biggest concern right, always. Right. And so there were two good signs, I think, in the moment, which is, one, 
Baldelli said, oh, he'll be on the flight to New York. I don't know how he's going to feel tomorrow morning in New York when he wakes up, but he'll be on the flight to New York, which (laughs) is always a good sign. And then I saw Buxton, you know, maybe 20 minutes after the final pitch, playing with the uh, various kids of twins who were often there outside the clubhouse. Uh, You know, Luisa Baldelli, Rocco's kid, and Buxton were kind of, you know, playing peekaboo. And I thought, and Buxton's like kneeled down playing. He's got a wrap on his arm or whatever. And I thought, if he's really in rough shape, A, probably he's not thinking to himself, what right. I'd like to do right now is go across the hall and uh, be in the same room with some screaming children. Sure. And B, not that Luisa Baldelli is not lovely and well-behaved. <laughs> she is. She's very well-behaved. Um, but B, the training staff is not going to let him do that with a concussion or what they fear right. is a concussion. And certainly if he tore his hip or did anything. So I walked – and he, he also talked to Dan briefly after and basically said – you know, we'll see how sore I am in the morning, but I feel okay. Even given all that, I would have bet any amount of money he would not have played last night right. at Yankee Stadium. Just the way, you know, day off at the very least. Like, let's just make sure. The fact that he was in the lineup, played well, drew a couple of walks, you know, kept the kept the uh kept the line moving in that first inning. Right. Is a is a pretty good sign. Now we'll see today and tomorrow and the next day and all that. But yeah, that that was I really thought we had witnessed a negative turning point of the twin season as he ran into the second baseman. Right, yeah. I really thought like as, as ugly as, as that game already was, <laughs> right. I thought, Oh S yeah, this Buxton's is done for months. Uh, and it was kind of similar to Boston last year when he slid into second and appeared to injure his knee. And we thought, well, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. He just tore his ACL. Right. What we didn't know at that time. And we learned in the months to come was he was already injured. His his knee right. was already injured. Yes. That was him tweaking an injured knee and kind of freaking out about it a right. little bit. Yes. Um, so yeah, this is. I mean, with Buxton, with with all injured players, but with Buxton especially, it takes so little to get like your your spidey sense going to get to to immediately dwell on the right. worst case scenario. Like I right. I have gotten into the practice of literally watching him. If he like grounds out to shortstop, <laughs> watching him run to first. Watching how he crosses the bag, and then I'll watch him veer off into the dugout. Right. I've gotten to the point where I'll watch: Does he give a high five to someone in the dugout? <laughs> does he have a brief conversation with you know Tommy Watkins or the trainer? Like because you, there's just so many cases of uh oh, is he hurt? And certainly when he's lying face down right. off second base, you're after like, one of the weirdest right. baseball collisions I've ever seen. So they've avoided yeah. something there at least. Um, let's see one other thing. Well, the honest, I mean, the other thing about that about him coming back so fast. Is that the one thing you are seeing? I think we're seeing more and more of, and I don't know if this is an organizational philosophy that's going this direction, or if it's being led by Baldelli, or if it's being read by uh, led by Paparesta. Is let's just give everybody a little bit extra rest. Right. Let's like, get a little bit I extra. Mean, that's time. been the case well, for yeah, years. With no, I mean, not just that's not just. But I'm not talking about like a day off here and there, like which has been the thing. I'm talking about like let's just not rush anybody. Right back you know yeah. which is just so I, I agree i think it's been sort of something that we've seen develop over the last four or five years through the fall v regime yeah but for those of us who've been podcasting or writing about the team for 20 years you've been compared, doing 20 years? <laughs> comparing that to it's the previous to retire, regimes uh yes. you know rub some dirt on it and get out there and play hurt 
Uh, now, has this version culture, and I'm not even saying it was necessarily something that they were saying to people. It was just part of the culture yes. to see that sort of gl- right. gradual cultural the shift. Change here is you a- can make, I think, from a sort of health and rest standpoint as an organization is not to tell guys whether they're going to play or not. I mean, that's key, obviously, what you're talking right. about. But the biggest thing is to get across the the number one point, which is we are not uh, viewing it as a good thing. If you try to play hurt, right. and like you said, there was a I'll forever use Nick Punto as an example. Nick Punto got hurt hamstring like in July. By the way, Nick Punto was like the eighth best hitter in the Twins lineup at that point. It's like he was an essential piece. Right. Uh, played every day for the next three months. Hit like 165 down the stretch. And then the day after the season said, oh, I've been playing with like a torn hamstring for uh, three months. (laughs) And then people will be like, Terry Ryan or Gardner, like, what the the hell is happening? Why why was that? And they're like, whoa, hey, you know, he's a tough guy. He played through it. (laughs) And I just remember like screaming at the, like on the inside and probably on the podcast at the time. (laughs) Right. To who is that benefiting? Right. And I think that is the the biggest change is right. the now can it go too far? Sure. Or does it? Is I think it we're so better? far from too far. Right. But mean, my thing is like, have the results been any better than the previous regime? Not necessarily, but you can do all the right things with injuries, and you can be preventative, and you can and guys will still get hurt. Like right. it's it's a it's a make or miss league, like in the NBA, you can get all the open corner three pointers you want and right. run the, a beautiful offense to get these guys wide open but if somebody's got to make it if someone's just right. going to brick it from the, you know if someone's just going to get hurt they're going to get hurt so yeah i agree that but they've been i take a look at this year where you had you know a polanco and kirilov not hurrying or i mean not hurt but not being forced into or forcing themselves into the opening day lineup you know where the, wow. we're going to have a little bit extra time here yeah. we're going to have a little bit extra time there right i mean polanco I think, got uh, hurt i got he reheard himself well, okay, well, spring but yes you got also uh, Gallo and Kepler, who both seem to be kind of annoyed, frankly, <laughs> that they've got they've got to be so on the, the injured list, huh? Kepler Ke- put himself on the IL, basically. Well, yeah, same but, thing he did last year. But, but the point is, he was kind of like, ah, I think I could play up till the point where he can't decelerate. You're, on the, you're the describing, day. I believe, the opposite of what happened. You think I think that's what happened with Gallo. Okay, definitely. Okay, Kepler is not pushing through these things. I mean, I think it's very clear. He said that to okay. us. He said, especially early in the season, I don't want this to get worse. And so I'm willing to go on the IL. And they thought he was going to be available the next day, maybe, when he hurt his knee initially. That's why they didn't put him on the IL. And I'm not <laughs> saying he's telling them, I'm going on the IL. This is not, I'm not <laughs> right, accusing right, right. him. Yeah, right. But I think he's being cautious with it, okay. which I, is understandable to right. me. But if you look at this was, his, I believe, his sixth injured list stint since 2020, so three-plus years, most of them have been – of this variety, which is a day-to-day type of injury or a week's injury that he goes on the IL for and then he takes a while to come back. And I, I'm not saying anything morally wrong with it, but I'm saying I don't think this was – with Kepler, I don't think it's the twins pushing him to stay out. Yeah, okay. I think – now, maybe they're working in tandem and they're in agreement on this, but I think with Gallo, that's probably the case, what you're describing. Okay. I think Gallo, at least from what he said, he he's ready to play. And they were like, look, you haven't hit for four days. Let's shut you down. You can come back in eight days anyway. Go to AAA. Have some at-bats. You missed the Yankee Stadium trip, all that. With Kepler, I think it's – I don't want to say they're in disagreement, but I think it's more Kepler and his representatives probably 
being like, well, we got I don't want sense. a chance. This. We got that sense last year as well right. about Kepler. I but, just think but that's Kepler wasn't we... being put on the IL. He was still on the roster, but not necessarily playing. Right. Right. Every day we would say, what's with Kepler? The, and the, the, oh, the, another day. He needs the, another day. This way it's, oh, he's just out and he's going to rest. Right. Right. Uh, and, and again, got, I'm not and, saying And you've that, got Buxton as well. Buxton, who's yeah. clearly, you know, doesn't want to play DH full-time, right? Right. But in that position as well. It just feels like that is yet one more representative, one more representation of the steps that the team as right. a whole is working on towards changing that culture. And I wonder if that's just the natural path that they've kind of been walking or if the Papa Resta thing actually yeah. is playing into it. I don't know that he – I'd have to look more into it. But I don't know that he was known – he was in Oakland a long time as their head trainer right. uh, for some very good ace teams. I don't – I mean, they had good results in terms of keeping guys healthy just in general. Uh, and he won like Major League player uh, Trainer of the Year a couple times. But I don't know that they were known in Oakland as like a very rest-heavy or preventative type of thing. It's possible. I mean, he's certainly – part of the reason they hired him was so that he could sort of – uh, mold the culture around this thing yeah. how he wanted yeah. it as opposed to last year just became sort of a cluster. Right. Um, right. Here was a thing. Baldelli was asked a couple days ago pregame about the perception that like guys are just getting random days off, you know, Buxton, Correa, that sort of thing. And so here was his quote. He said, quote, we're not just handing guys days off so they can relax and chill out. That's not what the days off are. These guys are off for a reason. And if they were completely able and feeling good, they'd be playing. And that he's made a similar point about Buxton uh, regarding center field. Okay. Which is if Buck could go out there and play center field, he'd be playing center field. Now, Byron might tell you he can go out there and play center field. <laughs> and right. obviously this is not a fact. Like it's not something that can be definitively proven. Can right. Byron Buxton play center field and be, you know, six days a week? Right. But the reason and can he, his body hold up to it? Well, right. Which that's is another also point of it. Not yeah. just you know. Uh, but I think that's that's kind of how they feel about a lot of things. Is like people just assume that like, first of all, Baldelli is not making these decisions. Like Baldelli is not deciding yeah, who goes yes. on the IL. Right. I know Doc Rock and like you know Royce's tweeting about all this stuff. <laughs> like this organization, this is a multi-billion-dollar organization with an entire medical staff. Right. Uh, in addition to an entire training staff, I mean, all respect to Rocco Baldelli, but he didn't go to college. Like, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> by the way, I'm a dropout of college. I'm not like right. crapping on that, right. but I'm saying they're not letting him make medical decisions on any level. Right. And, you know, it's part of his job to interact with players and to have a sense of, you know, who's healthy and who's not. And I have no doubt that he's, you know, one of the main points of contact to and go he's up probably to, the one who has to say to those players. Well, that's <laughs> that's why it comes across as him right. making the decisions, right? Because he's the one telling guys, you know, we're sitting you today, right? And he's the one calling guys into the office and saying you're going on the IL and all that stuff. So he's the 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 point of contact for this thing. But if you think Rocco Baldelli, on top of his actual managerial job, is the one saying, you know, Max Kepler's not playing today, or you know, Carlos Correa's taking a fifth day off, right? As a day-to-day -day back, those are not decisions being made by Rocco Baldelli, nor should they be. And I think that's one of the weird perceptions that has gotten here, as if Baldelli comes to the clubhouse every morning and everybody's fully healthy and he looks around and he goes, you know what? You're sitting today. You're sitting today. Yeah, you're healthy enough to play, but I don't feel like playing. <laughs> it's like, A, why would he do that? 
He wants right. his good players in the lineup so that people can't cite his bad record as the reason he's doing a, a bad job. And also, why in the world would he have that responsibility? Let's also just point out, like, the lineup is available to the players the night before. Typically, right? Yeah. Right. Although it's sometimes typically. when they can't figure out nine guys who are healthy, <laughs> right. which happened last yeah. year, right. it, it takes a while. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is a planned piece. He is certainly one of the voices in the room right. that's talking about this is not being handed down to him from from. No, I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying this is just the reason you hire a trainer and the reason you have – a, a team doctor and the reason you have a front office that is doing, you know, uh, sports science and, and all that stuff, you know, kinesiology and all that stuff is so that the manager is not in charge of saying to someone, oh, you, you say you're good, but you're sitting. And right. the point that Baldelli also makes in this regard is if you go up to the majority of players and say, how are you feeling today? The answer you're going to get is either a thumbs up or I'm good to go. <laughs> right. And you have to – part of his job is to learn who's a reliable narrator of their own health and who is not. Yeah. And he's talked many times, Byron Buxton is the least reliable narrator about Byron Buxton that exists <laughs> and will ever yes. exist in the world. Yeah. Because Byron Buxton, like you could find him limbless on the side of the road somewhere and say, you think you could lead off tomorrow? And he'd go, oh, hell yeah, I'll be at the ballpark at 8 a.m. Yeah. Well, he can't. But right. he's going to tell you he can. Sure. You know, same way he'd run through a wall if you let him do it. Yeah. And so, or a second baseman. Or a second baseman. <laughs> Attempt to run through a second baseman. Um, but so, yeah, part – I would say within that, Baldelli's job is to kind of read the room, read the signals, learn who, when they say, I'm good to go, is really good to go. Right. Versus who will just always say it, they're good to go. Right. And there are some guys that need protecting in that regard. They clearly feel that way about Buxton. There are some guys who protect themselves in that regard, which is kind of the – this is me speculating again, but kind of how I read the Kepler situation since probably last year, which is like he's more the one who's like, my knee's still kind of hurt. Could I sit for two days and then play on a 90% knee? Maybe. All but right. I'd rather take eight more days off, come back at 100%. Now, people are going to argue about that, too. I just feel like we've gotten to the point where, because of how last year went, obviously, but now there's been a ton of injuries again right. this year, yeah. where injuries have just become such a, a storyline, and no one – there's so much uh, – there's uncertainty in a lot of aspects of baseball, but no more so than with injuries. And people – I mean, look, we're speculating about this stuff. we, we got a math major and a college dropout <laughs> here. Right. We're yes, talking right. about timelines right. and yep. – and, and, that's just how fandom goes. That's how – I mean, people look at injuries and timelines and they're trying to break it down. And a lot of this stuff is kind of black box stuff. They're not going to tell you everything about injuries. Right. Uh, they're not going to tell you what's going – we can't go back into the trainer's room. That's that's off limits. And, and you know, there is points where you're like, is this Paparesta doing this? Is this Baldelli? Right. There's so much uncertainty there that I think the blanks get filled in in such negative ways and such speculative ways – it's it's tricky, and you can try to get as much information as you want and talk about it in this sorts of ways that we're hopefully doing here. But I don't I don't effing know. Yeah, like yeah. some guys want to play through injuries. Some guys never want to play through injuries. Some guys are quick to recover. Some guys aren't. Some guys just get hurt more. Some guys are yeah. Iron Man. Like I don't know. Some injuries are easy to recover quickly, or you know you got a real timeline, and some of them right. it's just a very nebulous. Yeah, he's got some sort of strain someplace and it just right. takes forever to get better. Right. Like Larnick. Um speaking of injuries and bruises, 
bruised egos in this case. Uh-oh. Uh, Dan Hayes was sitting next to me in the press <laughs> box uh, for the last White Sox game two days ago. And he dropped another foul ball. And a, and a foul ball off the bat of Donovan <laughs> Solano was hit uh, straight back right to us. We're at the, we're at the far end now, the yeah. f- near the radio booth side. Uh, and I'm sitting there. Doe wasn't there, so we were a little more spread out than usual. Okay. In a normal circumstance, this ball would have essentially landed between me and Doe. But Dan is on my left. Doe is on my right. But because we were more spaced out, Dan stands up. And we can both – like, when I see a fall ball now coming towards the press box, which happens way too often. I don't right. like it. Yeah. Since last year, when it exploded my Diet Pepsi all over <laughs> me and ruined my life, right. yes. my new approach is anytime a fall ball is anywhere near the vicinity, I close my laptop right. – and on my slidey chair, push myself away from the table and figure, I'm not going to catch this. Let's decrease the chance <laughs> of it hitting my face or whatever. So I do that in this case. The ball is coming right at me. So I close my laptop, which has more value than me probably, mm-hmm. and I push myself away from the table. And as I'm doing that, I make contact similar to Buxton in that second baseman oh, no. with Dan Hayes, who has stood up <laughs> and is rushing, and behind is rushing you. towards me to reach over me where he thought I'd be <laughs> right. to catch this ball, but instead I'm moving backwards. So he basically comes in front of me like uh, Kelly Leak from the Bad News Bears <laughs> trying to make catches in left sure. field and right yeah, field. Yeah. And I think, well, that's fine because I wasn't going to really try to catch it. And he, he hits him right in the hands, like both hands, both hands, bounces up, and then he can't like secure it and it hits the ground. Uh, which is the table, right. bounces like two more times and then rolls off. Uh, he gets the back, ball. Back out, it, out yeah. of the press box? But he gets the ball, he gives it to of, a kid, oh, okay, all this okay, stuff. Okay, gotcha. And he's like, oh, man, I dropped it. <laughs> and as soon as it happens, I turn to my left and I like, kind of uh, stick my head out the window towards the TV booth. Right. And I see Dick Bramer in his first game back after COVID, yep. has about 80% of his body hanging out of the booth, and he's just pointing at Dan, just le- like maniacally laughing, like it, like a villain in a Die Hard movie laughing. And I say to Dan, well, you're going to be on TV. And he goes, oh, no, you think? So we put on the MLB TV, uh-huh. and I rewind it a little bit, and uh, – they go. Uh, Dick Bramer goes, uh, and that one's fouled back by Solano right into the. Pr- oh no, Dan Hayes has just dropped a. F- oh, <laughs> hit right to him, folks. I wish I was kidding. The first error of the season for Dan Hayes. Blah blah blah. And then they immediately go. We have to have Dan start bringing his glove. That's what I said that to him. Like Dan Glad, we make fun of Dan Glad right, for yep, bringing his glove. Right. So then Bramer says that, and they show a shot of Dan. After missing the catch, uh-huh. just like shaking his head in the press box. So, but then the graphic for the White Sox defense comes up on the screen, uh-huh. and Morno goes, uh, "Let's get to know the White Sox defense." You know, you have Robert blah, 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 in center field. Then the next ball gets hit to Robert in center field, uh-huh. and Bramer goes, "Luis Robert Jr." showing how it's supposed to be done <laughs> in center field. And then immediately they show a slow motion replay from some faraway center field camera that's been zoomed in now okay. of the ball going into the press box, of Dan standing up, of Dan jumping in front of me, of Dan dropping the ball, and the beauty of it, the true beauty of it is because I'm wearing a black shirt. You cannot. You can barely tell if you really zoom in that you were there. That I'm even existing oh, in the shot. God. So it just looks like Dan stood up, dropped it, and then just was like wanting to die as opposed to saving your life. And then yeah, well yeah. Uh, at which point 
Dick Bramer goes, folks, it's like his fingers are taped together. <laughs> Which goes along with the oh, first time he dropped Dan. one. Because it's like the third. Bu- Dan did catch one last year. I was at this game, so I missed all of this. Uh, uh. There was, The first time, because Bramer loves it. Yeah, of course. Any ball that goes into the press box, he, he's got he's uh, rubbernecking. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's looking out the window. The first time last year, his bit was, uh, you know, those are the hands of a man who's never done an ounce of manual labor in his life. <laughs> this gentleman has been typing on a laptop for a living for 20 years. It's no wonder dropped. And That's then, funny. And then the next time Dan dropped one or didn't catch one, it was – it's like he's got claws for hands, folks. Like, I don't know. Whatever you're imagining, these are not normal hands. I love this as a oh, bit. Beautiful. And I'm also just thankful. And Doe should be thankful that he wasn't covering the game. Because what you would have seen on camera if we weren't as spread out is me and Doe just closing our laptops and distancing right. ourselves. <laughs> right, just- so I give Dan credit. For trying to make a play. Right? Yeah. Every team sure. needs a guy who's going to try. He's sure. the Buxton of this. Yep. He's trying to make a play. He's, tra- he's working for redemption at this point. It's just it's just shoveling right. deeper and, and deeper here, into but the But here's hole. the truth about Dan. And hopefully this has come across on the times he's been on the podcast. <laughs> and this is why we love Dan. Dan's a tremendous guy. Sure. He's a really good yes. writer and reporter. Great guy, too. Dan likes it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dan, of course, yeah. He Dan would like lo- to catch the ball. Right. But the second best scenario is dropping the ball in hilarious fashion. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, right. Because Dan yeah. listened to the whole clip of him on Bally being of talked course. about. Dan, of course. Our, our work slack, our bosses, like people running the athletic are like, you Dan dick. likes giving people a hard time. He likes getting a Correct. hard time. Yes. Like, yes. Absolutely. We had, yep. we had bosses last night at the athletic or the night before at the athletic saying, Dan, you've damaged the brand. <laughs> like we worry that like the stock price is going to go down because of what you've done to the athletic. And people were like, who wants to write the oral history of the time Dan Hayes dropped a fall ball? Because now we have clips of it. We have, sure. I could get quotes. And then they were coming up with, with headlines, which is like, you know, uh, Never again, why Carlos Correa refuses to talk to Dan Hayes after a dr- <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So I just wanted to note that I tweeted out the full, I think it's like a 90-second kind oh, of clips. God, I'll have to check uh, it out. Piece together. So yeah, that's something. To look- but now, having said that, I've almost guaranteed now the next home game I'm at. Yeah, a ball's going to hit my sure. laptop yes, right. or it's going to hit my elbow or it's going to knock up Diet Pepsi over to me. <laughs> In which case, all the things I've said now. I feel it should be off limits to make fun of me for <laughs> I'm just gonna give Bramer the like the no, don't do it signal. By the this, way, Bramer, this is why they don't put me in the front row of the press box anymore. You, yeah. I, I'd, I'd make you guys look foolish. You probably yeah, it's so easy. I to said catch. maybe we should have like a communal glove that we keep in the front row, but I don't know that you'd have to react pretty quickly. You'd have to react pretty but Dan yeah, right. Dan Gladden, who's the radio um, well, he's also not typing during the game. Well, right. He so, can just wear his glove. He's talking. That's true. Yes. And also, uh, he was a major league outfielder for 12 years, so that helps too. Um, I last played uh, a position defensively uh, in 1997. I'm just trying to imagine Dan. He's typing with one hand and still with a baseball right. glove on the other. You don't have time to put a baseball well, glove on during a foul The last ball. thing I'll say on this is like three games before that, I forget which. It was a day game, one of the first games at Target Field of the season. I'm sitting next to Doe. It was a whatever day. There were a couple injuries that we were writing about, like in a hurry to get stories out. And I'm sitting next to Doe. Doe's on my right, and we're both head down in the laptop, click clacking away. All of a sudden, I just hear a thwack, and we both turn, and a ball head had gone rough, dented right. the yeah. wall behind us, between right. the two of us. Another foot to the left, yeah, and it kills me. Another foot to the right, and yeah. it kills Doe. Right, and we both looked at each other, and we were like, "Well, we would have been dead." Yeah, like, right, what yeah. What were you supposed to do with that? Right. Keep your head on a swivel is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, right. But unfortunately, right. as a two-finger typer, 
<laughs> I don't really have a like a great peripheral vision when I'm doing this thing. So yeah, that's a it's a one downside of sitting in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> the upside is people can come by and go, "Hey, Gleeman." <laughs> yeah, the downside is you that's may true. die. Yeah. <laughs> or worse, get made fun of by Dick Bramer on television, which is a worth worse. That's why I like to death. be safe and sit in the gray duck deck or upstairs at the French yeah. pub, someplace safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not <laughs> Talking to Sue the Organist. I wouldn't mind like a... We were giving Sue the Organist a hard time on uh, Wednesday because she definitely is playing the songs at a quicker tempo. Yeah. <laughs> because of the, no, pitch yeah, the pitch clock. That's funny. <laughs> Instead of dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Is it dun, 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 dun. <laughs> she's she's got to get at her riff. That's funny. Like I picture her coming home from work and she's her arms are sore. She's like, oh man, I've been really... Uh, She's like, you're right. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I th- do you know what a Do you know what an L screen is in baseball terms? L screen. It's the like the netted screen they put up in front of the batting practice pitcher, so that when line drives, oh yeah, 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 back yeah. To yeah him, right, right, right. I I proposed to uh, PR staff <laughs> yeah. that they put an L screen in front of you. Yeah, I, look. <laughs> I propose it for everyone. Now, if these other idiots are too manly to do that, yeah, I'll gladly right. be the only one that right. with an L screen yeah, right. uh, in front of me. I, this is this is my money maker day. You know, yeah. this, this, this right. It, not the face, but the mouth. Well, if you end up with a cow farmer situation, you get yeah, the uh, God forbid. Right. Yeah, yeah that's I right. feel for him. But uh, okay. So yeah, that's it. Oh, you're gonna be doing the podcast with your white, uh, your jaw wired shut. So yeah, gonna be. People might and you drinking smoothies. People might like that more. <laughs> they might. I would debate it. I know I would. I just. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was on with Barrero yesterday. Yeah, and he was talking about oh, thanks for filling in. You know, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. saying how hard it is to fill three and a half yeah, hours, yeah. and we have a new appreciation for that. And then somehow we got. He says to me, well, "What percentage of the time do you think you talk and John talks?" <laughs> and I was like, "Ooh, that's interesting." I said, "I think it started." At like 55, 45, 10 years yeah, ago. that's right. And it's probably like 65, 35 oh, now. Oh, I'd say it's 75, 20. Because yeah, I don't shut the f, <laughs> f up. Maybe 80, 20. <laughs> so yeah, people might be clamoring for me having a busted jaw or whatever. And uh, uh, Last thing to your point about Sue the Organist. The Twins, I looked this morning, have played the fastest average games in all of baseball this season. Do you want to guess what the... Two hours and how many minutes do you think? For the Twins? Yes. Two, all twi- 13 games. Twins game. 222. Pretty close. 227, which is yeah. the fastest in baseball. It's like 20 minutes faster than some other teams. Now, they okay. haven't played any like 14 inning games, but they've played a couple extra inning games so far. Um, yeah, they have. Yep. So, yeah, Sue is having a hustle, to your point. <laughs> well, that, I mean, it helps when you get pitchers going six, seven True. innings. And, and, and when and, the lineup and, is not hitting. And really. I was going to say, when our offense isn't chasing out either. Yeah. Yeah. A right. lot of innings, uh, a yeah. lot of games, two to one, one to nothing yeah. type of thing. Okay. Um, that's it. Patreon will be back on Monday. We will be talking about the Yankees series in its entirety. Yes. Both good or bad. Yeah. Whichever way it goes, we'll be talking about it. If and you're listening to this show. We'd love to have you guys join us. If, 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 it, if it is a good series, I think, <laughs> I do think Twins fans overreact I think they tend to what? Here's what here's you what, don't even need to finish that sentence. Yeah, right. Here, here's what I'll say is that since the team can't win any game postseason games until October, <laughs> right? Yeah, we've talked. Yeah, this is the closest that people will get to believing one way or the other. Sure. If they win three out of four at Yankee Stadium. I think it sets a very different level of expectations for the fan base on this team. And, Definitely, and, uh, un- unusually. 
important games in that direction. Well, yeah. And so if you end up feeling really excited Sunday afternoon about this team, what I would suggest is check out the Patreon on Monday morning. You can just sign up. You can try it for one. You pay one buck for that first one. And if you don't like it, you can go back. Or or you can hang around for a little bit, listen to the back. You get the uh, full archives, archive for free. All ad-free. You don't have to hear any of the ads that we do. Right. All, so, the, all the interviews we've done. And I'll say this. If they now lose three consecutive games to the Yankees, <laughs> you might want to tune in for like a group therapy type of deal. <laughs> that's we're absolutely. good at Believe me, we're that's good exactly at that. Right. We've had a lot more practice <laughs> with that. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks to BetterHelp and to HelloFresh and to 826MSP. Take a look for that uh, tri- trivia for Cheaters thing. Uh, Soda Stick. And Forgotten Star Brewing, their charity week. Thanks to Dan Hayes for <laughs> covering up the fact that I was running away from the baseball. <laughs> Thanks to Dick Bramer for covering it in its entirety yeah. and giving us lots of entertainment. Can I just tell you, and then I'll shut up and we'll stop. Dick Bramer dropped the ball, hit into the TV booth last year. Yeah. Right to him, dropped it. And afterward, I was in the hallway outside, and he comes out, and I say, Dick, boy, you've been throwing a lot of jabs at people for dropping baseballs. How does it feel to drop one? And he says, he shows me his hand, and he says, look, it's all bruised there where the wedding ring is. And he says, you know, it, it basically, it hit the wedding it ring. It bounced off the wedding ring. And it bounced ring. off the wedding sure. ring. And as he's saying that, his lovely wife, who often will come to games and go home, with, like, right. take the ride home with them, walks in, and I said, let me get this straight. You're blaming her, really, <laughs> for you dropping this. And he takes a long look at her, and he goes, yeah, it's about right. <laughs> so that's what we're dealing with here from a Bramer standpoint of, uh, you know, throwing stones but not necessarily being able to take any. Uh, okay, goodbye. Bye-bye.